Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlositap, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. And introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder. She has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Snyder, with my genius co-host, Mina Kunlo-Sitep. Hey, Mina. Hey, Jacqueline. So today we are excited to have a very special guest on. We have Stephen Carl. He's the founder of Needle Movement, and he's on today to discuss what will actually move the needle forward in your product-based business with digital strategy. So welcome to the podcast, Stephen. Thank you. It's, it's great to be here. We're excited to have you. Um, so tell our listeners a little bit about Needle Movement and what you do for your clients. Okay, so let's see. For Needle Movement, I mean, I'll go. Needle Movement is an outsourced e-commerce director um, that works with emerging brands and manufacturers and mainly in the, you know, in the e-commerce retail sector. So what we do is... Um, you know, we work with businesses and try to uncover their strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, and we're mainly looking at a lot of times it's with business owners and heads of marketing that, you know, we know how busy entrepreneurs are and how little time they have. So we try to be that second brain for the business where, you know, we're trying to find the best um, paid and organic marketing solutions what people can do with their website. And these days, successful e-commerce goes even beyond marketing that people are trying to figure out a good logistics solution or one of my favorite topics, staffing and, you know, how that business owner can clone themselves and, you know, get more done than they ever thought was possible. I mean, I think my heart in place is really with that, you know, little guy or gal that has a great product and, you know, you know, wants to take that product to the next level and, you know, gain and a secret to it, you know, having seen brands go from zero, you know, to $50 million, every step is a ladder. And that's what's interesting about it, that you hit your first $100,000 in sales, that's one ladder. But then you find that, you know, once you triple that, there are different responsibilities that you have as a business owner and leader. Let's just talk about this simply for our listeners. What would you say, what is digital marketing? Digital marketing should be defined as outreach. You know, so, you know, it's how you interact. It's how you spread the message of your company. And many companies, so it's, it's split between paid advertising and what they call organic Um outreach and you know paid would be going through google and facebook advertising you know but there's also some great methods with organic especially for younger businesses where you're finding ways to just broadcast your message to 
the people that know your product best. Or so organic marketing would be um, something like emails, you know, email marketing, um, and you know, would cover SEO and other traffic. And it could even be as simple as telling everyone you know um, in your friends, families, former business colleagues that you're starting a business and how they can help. Yeah, I love that. A lot of times when you hear people say the word marketing, they think it's synonymous with just social media and that just really is not the case. You know, even a just simple email letting those people know because that's word of mouth marketing right there, right? That's one piece of the very complicated puzzle. So can you share with us some of what are you seeing as their biggest struggle? I think the biggest struggle is messaging. You know, it's um, like, you know, I guess it, it goes into branding somewhat. And branding is a complicated term, you know, but it's just, it's, you just want to have a product that makes people really excited. And with marketing, there's a little bit of mind warfare that goes on that you have to convince someone and you have to get people past the objections they have to buying your product. Like, it's too expensive. I already have this. I already bought two jackets last month. Why do I need this product? So, you know, marketing gets very, you know, so I think with branding, it's, it's um, the, you know, having something that looks polished and professional is one part of it, but it's just, you know, what's that language that's going to get people to respond to your product, you know, and finding that what's cool is, you know, once you find that, you know, it doesn't, you know, then you can amplify the message and it will convert better. Like, I think the greatest thing about just thinking about your, your branding and, you know, the website is that when you tackle those things and they work, then it's like that rising tide that lifts all boats and whatever marketing you're doing can work better or whatever outreach, you know, so a lot of it goes back to like, well, how do you figure out your branding? Um, it goes back to surveying your audience you know, and having, you know, it could be surveying just, you know, having a few friends that you trust and that will tell you the truth on things. Um, it could also be your earliest customers are very important because you need to understand what made that, what made your product click for them and why, you know, why it's special to them. Yeah. yeah so talking like, about like the, like if you're, cre if you're solving a problem, reinforcing that problem that's solved, if it's, if you're comparing to a product that exists and why yours is better, right. The improvements you've made on it, um, coming up with that, that sort of thing. And, and I feel like to continue to talk about it, right. People think that, oh, I've talked about it. I'm done talking about it. But if there's a good response to it, that like you were saying ends up being one of their strategies, one of the things that they continue to speak on. Yeah. Cause marketing is really, it's outreach. So think about your elevator pitch. What's the elevator pitch for your product? You know, and test it out. See what, see what people respond to because, you know, you get that right and then every future elevator pitch will work better. You know, so there is like, there is a sense of with, you know, with clients, a lot of it is working on that branding component. And I think I, I started like everybody else thinking that it was all about, getting paid marketing exposure. And then 
I found out totally differently that it goes back to just that the basic components of are the, you know, how the products speak to people and how it's going to help people in their lives. Right. There's that validation point for sure. Is the price right? Is the messaging right? And then amplifying what really works. Um, I love what you said about those initial people are so important because that's your beta group, right? The focus group that's telling you, oh, I don't really like that color or I don't like the way you're telling me this story or I don't like the way that um, your website is set up. It's really hard to to purchase from you. Those are the things that make a uh-huh. big difference. Um, can we get a little bit more into website and how people can really make their websites better for that small, you know, solopreneur that's really trying to get started? Okay. I mean, the good news with websites is that they're much cheaper to build these days that with Shopify, I mean, one trick is to use a theme. That a theme is, um, instead of having to, you know, hire a web developer and a team to, you know, put all the nuts and bolts together, you have something, a theme is something that is pre-configured, you know, that has the homepage, the product page, the category page already set up, right. you know, and, and let's say the price point of those themes could be, say, I don't know, somewhere between 150 to $350, you know, depending. And there's, uh, you know, with Shopify websites, there's, there's a lot of different flavors of themes. So you can, um, you can see which one matches, you know, matches your brand. And you will sometimes need help doing that, but it's the amount of hours you would need outside help is greatly reduced by having that theme. Yeah. And it's so robust and it does look custom, you know, those themes, which is just Shopify's fancy way of saying template. Um, (laughs) But it is really (laughs) robust because of the back end, right? They make it super easy for you to just start. And then, but the thing is those themes don't have preset wording, like what you were saying, like having the right messaging is so key that there's, you know, just having a theme isn't going to lead to mm-hmm. conversion, for instance. Um, social proof and testimonials are a big part of things that can help you with conversions, you know, so that means what, you know, what some brands are doing now that's smart is they will, you know, we, we were talking before about all um, Cas- Casper mattresses and a lot of these new bedding companies. So if you go to Casper mattresses or Brooklinen, that's another one that's specialized in bedding, but they have thousands of reviews on the website. Um, but what all they're really doing is trying to, so social proof is a concept that it's like, you don't want to be the first one to ever buy a product you become much more comfortable when the people around you have already purchased and you know that reputable sources have purchased. You know, so with testimonials, I think you, know, you can find the early customers you have that really like the product, you know, just ask them what they thought and to write a testimonial. And what's great is when they love the product, they're gonna tell other people in their own words, what makes your product special, something that you might have never have thought of. A lot of brands now are putting those testimonials on the homepage. They're putting, they're putting them all over the place. Um, 
another, also, um, if you get featured in a publication, that's another form of social proof where, you know, if I know that this apparel piece was featured in Vogue, you know, or Refinery29, you know, or had certain placements, then now I feel more, now I, I've heard of that, I like that source, so I feel more comfortable making a purchase. Outside of, outside of social proof and testimonials, there are things called trust signals. And those are things like free shipping and, you know, secure website. But like people put free, free shipping messages in a lot of places on the website now because they want to get people at the point of purchase. So now these days you'll see free shipping, I don't know, free shipping over $25 or whatever the threshold is on the top of the page. Sometimes right next to the buy button, people will put, if they have a low free shipping threshold, like if their free shipping is over $25, right next to add to cart on every product page, they'll put a little icon. Because that's when the consumer is making that buying decision. You know, if they, if you see under it, free shipping, free shipping and returns, that eliminates an objection internally that a potential customer could have. I love that because I mean, that's why Amazon has done so well that you know that you can get it, you can get it for free shipping and then the returns are pretty effortless. So I'm glad that you mentioned the return part too, because do you feel like free returns or easy returns is still a, a buzzword or like a keyword as an objection for customers? Yes, I do think that's the case or just that the customer is getting more and more used to being able to um, have access to free returns, you know, but for your business, I mean, before we get into the returns aspect and apparel net revenue is a very important metric for your company that, you know, there's, which is the amount of revenue that a website generates minus the returns. You know, so a company always has to look into the, at their return rate, you know, and if your return rate is over, say, 20%, it's something to look at very closely. Um, but to get back to your point, yes, I do think that free shipping and returns does eliminate an objection for a customer. So if you're looking to you know, these policies you can also always tweak as well. You know, like I, I have a, you know, I have a customer in the, in the men's grooming space and we're going to test a free shipping policy and we're, we're doing a relaunch of the website with that lower free shipping threshold. And we plan on just trying it for six weeks and seeing if it, you know, if it drives the business or not. And we'll adjust accordingly, whether that will be permanent or temporary based on the results. Yeah, I think this is such the benefit of having, you know, in your case, like in having an agency on your side, right? They know these things to look for. I think that it's so key, like what you were talking about, about the placement, right? So sometimes conversion is having a buy button right underneath all your bestsellers instead of clicking on the bestseller, then getting to the buy now button. And then also the icons. I think the icons is uh, really smart how you said they put the icon for free shipping next to the product. And then even the icons that say free shipping, secure payment, easy returns. Um, what was the other one I was thinking in my head? 
um, seven day guarantee or something, yeah. right? Those are the things that people are like, oh, look at all these beautiful icons. That means they're legit. It, it's just that psychological trigger of trust. You know, even the secure payment, right? You could have so many icons on there and people love seeing those even if they've never seen them. I think that's really interesting and a great point for conversion on a website. And you just, and with that, um, those, those icons can be just things that differentiate your company. Like, let's just say your, your, if your company has, you know, some sort of charity or some sort of sustainability program, or it's made in the USA, like you're, you're just trying to find the things that are going to trigger people to, to convert. And I should say with, you know, now that we're getting into buttons, I, you know, there's like these famous conversations about, should I make the button red or should I make it blue or should I make it green? I don't know if it's, I don't know how important it is. I think it, it should generally flow, but I think a lot of it is, is those language, the language and the triggers um, that people will see that like the product page is probably the most important page on the website because that's where he or she is closest to converting and really considering that product and feeding in the knowledge of it. You know, so you just think hard about, um, you know, how to make, I don't know, I kind of call it the Wizard of Oz effect that, you know, the Wizard of Oz was a small man behind a curtain, but you didn't find out until the end that you thought he was this, you know, larger than life person. So on a website, you want to look larger than life, you know, and that's, and since nobody is, sees it visually, you have the opportunity to do that and make those pages, um, you know, to impress people with um, your knowledge and the differentiators of your product. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I tell clients that I work with in the startup realm, if it's even if it's just them, that I want them to look like a million dollar company so that they, as if they have this full on built out structure, that they're doing things professionally. Because we all know those sites we've been on that look janky. The product can be amazing, but if it's kind of a, an odd site compared to what we're used to, people are probably going to just abandon that to start. Um, and then I, I also would like to just say, like, depending on these buttons and icons, I think it also needs to go with the brand that you're presenting. So if you're doing, you know, $500 to $1,000 dresses, for example, some of this might not work, but to take, I would say, look at competition, look at people who are out there and see what they're doing and the people who are already successful at it and see what you could pull in. Because sometimes if you're selling a $1,000 dress, reviews with five stars next to it is not going to be ideal versus if you're selling a kitchen product and it has five stars next to it and people are used to seeing reviews and buttons and all that next to the, the product and on that product page. I think Jacqueline, you made a great point about looking at other websites because that's, that's the secret sauce here that you find a few websites that, you know, and they're not, they're not huge companies, but they're just you know, there's, there are people that you've noticed that you think are, that you respect the way that they're communicating and, you know, just look at those websites and you're going to learn a lot. Like I, I learn a lot from just, you know, so I'll give an example for Shopify. There's a company called Movement Watches and they were recently bought by Movado for a hundred million dollars. So they're, they were doing something right, but I just like the site even before that, but you know, you, I just looked at their product pages and I said, wow, this is a watch brand that has 2,500 product reviews, um, you know, and it's, it's so clean and compelling. And 
you know, with websites, you, you'll basically get there. You know, you'll notice a few things that you like that are missing from your own. And like, you know, with websites, it's not, you're not going to, you know, you're in this for the long haul, you know, so it's not, what can I do in the next four weeks? It's just, you know, here's what I see and I'm going to put out a plan to get better over time. Cause those monthly incremental improvements you can make on your website, you know, they, they really will add up in the long run. Should we talk about apples to oranges? <laughs> we talked about that in the pre-call. So, and I deal with this a lot. So when I um, take my first calls with clients for uh, our startup businesses, I usually ask them, you know, who's in the market doing what you want to do or, or who, who, who's doing something very similar, but you want to improve upon it. So for example, um, I really like BCBG, but I want to do it for sizes 20 and above, right? Like, so taking this example and saying, but I often have had people come to me and say, I want to start a denim line and I want this denim line to compete with Forever 21 denim. And um, I want to do all the things that Forever 21 is doing. And it's, and it's this apples to oranges because that's not their competition. They're not looking to the right places necessarily to, to aspire to grow their business into, especially because these, some of these places are corporations that had millions and millions and millions of dollars even before they ever decided to launch denim. So how would you, you know, as we're looking at other sites and we're looking at things that are working and not working or how, what we can apply to our own businesses, um, how would you tackle that whole apples to oranges idea? Yeah. And it, it's, it's a great point. And I, I hear the same things in my circles. Um, it's just how you, I think we're just trying to come up with a realistic plan for, you know, for growth on the business. And when you compare you know, like a few years back, the most popular thing to say was, I want to be the Amazon of this. You know, I'm going to be the, you know, we're going to be the Amazon. You know, but if that company is so much larger, like it's just a very different situation. You know, so what, what you really do is you just try to find, there's so many, I think in your space, you're always going to find people that are maybe a little, are one level above or two levels above where you are. Um, and you can tell that they're not as big, but you know, you find inspiration in those. And I think those, like those website role models are something that will get you better in time. Because a lot of times when I look for website changes, I don't read media. I see it on the website themselves. You know, like I think a lot of things that we've, a lot of like of these new digital marketing trends, like, you know, you find someone who you think has their stuff together and you'll see how, you know, they're putting, you know, little button, you know, little trust signals right next to their product page. You're going to, you're going to learn through them. And I think there's a benefit of being that small guy. You were talking about movement watches and you, you, the word that you used was compelling, right? It's much more compelling when you're at, like that's, you should be everybody's goal is to make your website compelling and to hit those, you know, overcome those mind obstacles that have, mm-hmm. that pe- have people buying. But Movado, except for Movado so cool, but Movado is probably not as compelling because they are a giant corporation. They have millions of dollars and the story is not as strong. So I think being small does have its advantages too, where you get to be on this whole different level of story that you can resonate with your customer because you're so much closer to them than the Movado is. Yes. You know? I mean, absolutely. I think, yeah. And that's 
Yeah, great point that, you know, the, the entrepreneur is the story right now and people want to support you. Right. People want to buy from small local businesses, you know, not from big behemoth corporations. And that's, that's always an advantage that you, that can play into your hands with, you know, there are, there are websites now that, you know, something like even an about us page, you know, where you're telling the story of your brand, you know, people put components of that story onto different pages, even, you know, where, you know, like a founder's message could appear on the homepage or a quotation or something or the, or a picture of the founder, because now you feel that personal connection and that personal engagement. And that's what, you know, that's what makes emerging companies so cool to people that, you know, I know someone that made this, you know, made this dress and, you know, now I can buy directly from her. And, you know, I, I talk to her on Instagram, like that intimacy with um, the business owner is very attractive to the consumer. Like, I mean, I, you know, you get to the point where even as an early customer, like I don't, and my, you know, and your personal network, I don't feel like I'm imposing upon people because there are people that love this stuff. There are people that love fielding, you know, feedback questions from a company owner, you know, and there are people that love get, you know, to provide early reviews and to help you out, you know, so there are some people that might be indifferent to it, but the key is, you know, let's just say your, your personal network has 300 people maybe there's 40 people that are going to be really, really excited to help you and you focus on those 40 people and then that will grow from there. So good. And so true. There are so many people that are they're the first one in line to take a survey. That's totally not me. So it's hard to get over your own mindset sometimes of asking people, but that's hundred percent true that there's so many people out there that love doing that and you just need to focus on those people. So I know a lot of times our, our listeners and the people in our community, they're always asking like, what else, how else do we market? You know, they build this website. They hope if you build it, they will come. It's not true. Um, they may have that initial opt-in of 20% off, 15% off, whatever it is. And then really the question that people give us is like, what do I what do I do next? Like, what else do I offer? How else do I approach them? And, and, you know, obviously there's paid ads, right. To pop up in people's feeds or on Google or whatever it is. But what would you say are some things that people could do like actionable steps they could do right now to sort of, to start to bring people to their site or start to make sales? One of the first areas of focus would be the email marketing um, cause that is probably one of the cheapest forms of online marketing that you'll have. So there, there are two components to, to email marketing. One is putting together the messages, but the other element is growing the list, you know, so growing the list, you know, we see, you know, we see the pop-ups, you know, where there's a percentage off, you know, it could be about a percentage off. It could also be about a product drop where if people like the style, they could get advanced notification first, you know, but email is a good place to, to start efficiently because you're going to get that audience is more likely to convert on the website, you know, and then there are tools. There's a lot of pop-up tools that are, um, you know, give you a certain degree of personalization, you know, like there's, uh, just Uno and Privy are two that work within the Shopify system. 
you know, and I guess the important thing too is that email is, you know, people are reading it on their phones and on desktop. But you're, and a lot of that engagement can be really great on a mobile phone. So there would be email. I think organic social media, which would be, say, your Instagram presence. You know, having, you, you figure out what social media channels that you like, and then you can broadcast your message on those that you like and that you feel like you're getting good feedback. Because I think that the challenge for entrepreneurs too is that it's hard to be on every social media channel and, to, and how it divides your time up. But I think Instagram is a good start in terms of, because it's, it's very good at product discovery and making people aware. Yeah, that's great. So um, do you have a software for email that you recommend to the people that you're working with on Shopify or whatever website? Yes. Um, let's see. There's, I think for, for emerging stores, Clavio is a pretty good option. That, because it, it, you know, it with email, I think a lot of the time is, there's a lot of good templates that are set up within Clavio so that, you can do things efficiently and like email marketing is also composed of, they call them automations where, you know, if someone visits a product page and then leaves, it's possible to send someone an email a day later with a picture of that product, you know, or if someone adds to cart and then leaves, but Clavio reduces some of the time it takes to, um, to develop. Um, to develop, to put together those creatives. But I, I think you start small with with the emails and, and Clavio is a system that helps you do that a little bit more efficiently. Um, you know, and the cost for Clavio, I mean, it's, it's free to start, which is nice. Um, and then you pay per the size of your list. So the, what you brought up basically about like, let's say using Clavio and, and that idea of somebody's checking out a product page and then they, a day later, they're getting that email. We all know that we've gotten that, those emails, yeah. like you've abandoned your cart or how do you, so just to explain to people, how do you obtain that email address to then be able to retarget them with an email? How does that, whole, so, how does that work? Right. So they would, they would have, so for cart abandonment, um, I get, okay, so for cart abandonment, they would put their email address in the cart. And for browse abandonment, they would have to have previously added their email before. Because um, Clavio has software that, let's just say you, you added your email from a previous visit. You know, the Clavio system would, could recognize that email address and track on a later visit that you had browsed a certain page, okay. you know, but I guess where, where email gets kind of cool is, you know, so there are these, what's nice about the automations is that, you know, we're all time constrained. So with some of them, you just set them up and then you don't have to, you know, you set up a cart abandonment email and you're good for a while. Like, you know, you're, you're good for at least a few months. You know, you don't have to, like a lot of times when you send emails to everybody, then you have to rack your brain on what the topic is going to be. With some of these automation emails that are set on an event within the website, you set it up once, 
and then you can forget about it for a little while because it'll just keep sending automatically. You don't have to set it up every time manually. I think you're, you know, with email, I think the idea is just you want to generate, I mean, as a benchmark, you want to generate 25% of your revenue through email marketing. You know, so if you can make, you know, if you can, you know, and, and really like what's cool about email is that you get higher return on investment than any other channel, you know? So with things like, you know, with Facebook ads, people are doing backflips when they get four to one on Facebook ads, you know, with something like email marketing, you know, you can definitely exceed, you know, there was a, you can definitely exceed 10 X on email. You know, there's industry stats where they say that they're doing 40 X and okay, maybe that's a little dreamy, but you know, the point being because you're not paying per click and it's, pretty much an organic marketing method. Like all you're paying is the monthly fee on it versus, versus having to pay for every visitor. And what's a benchmark for open rates? Uh, good question. I think you want to get open rates over 20%. Okay. I really like that point because one of the, I've talked about this previously, but one of the biggest aha moments was like, nah, we really can't do this organically by ourselves anymore. So um, social media, you know, Facebook, Instagram, they really changed the algorithm. So as much as, you know, you grow, you grow, and then you need something to push your growth outside of that. So whether you are going to pay for social media um, uh, ads, or I guess to your point, paying for a tool that is going to help you retarget your your list because what better way than to try and get people to buy again if they've already tried the product or you get them on the list and and so that call it a hundred dollars a month might have value versus running Facebook ads that you're not necessarily doing <laughs> doing well and you're right. just hemorrhaging money thinking it's converting versus working on the people that you could, you know, uh, that have already purchased from you. And you're like, I have a new scent out, want to buy it, or here's a bundle, or Mother Day, Mother's Day is coming what to buy. So I think that's a really good way to, of weighing out costs to benefit. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, over the past year, I've just seen a lot of advertisements for, or a lot of media mention of Facebook ads, you know, and, and I think we hear it in entrepreneur circles a lot where the first thing they hear about is, oh, should like the first question people are asking themselves is, is I, should I be doing Facebook ads or not? And we see plenty, and it, it's an option for, for certain businesses, but, you know, you can get just as much benefit from, like, outsourcing, you know, from, from a lot of different marketing initiatives versus Facebook ads. And, and I think with Facebook ads or other paid marketing, return on ad spend is a very important metric because if you're, you know, if you're only making, like, let's just say you're making $2,000 on your ads and you've spent $1,000. It sounds like you're making money, but you haven't factored in your probably your product returns. You haven't factored in the cost of goods sold. And also you haven't factored in your time. So when you put all that in, you know, it can, sometimes it can lock up budgets a little bit where, you know, freeing up a business owner's time to do something else, like to reach out to for wholesale partnerships, you know, or a brand ambassador program or a lot of other different things that could be just as beneficial than the money allocated to Facebook ads. But I think it's, 
it's just because it's been mentioned so much that I think people look at it so much. And I think that's so important to remember is just weighing all these things out. Whereas email, email is tried and true. You can do that for wholesale. You can do that for consumer. You can do that for, you know, your friend that's, you know, never bought anything online, for instance. So like it works all the time, every time. So are there, is there anything outside of email that you would recommend that people start doing organic wise? Let's see. I, I think you should be paying attention. So we've, we've talked about email in depth. Um, something to look out for in the next year or so is text message marketing. Because um, now there's, it, it's kind of the same thing as email. You know, and if you're targeting a younger customer, you know, it's the same idea of organic marketing. And it's, it's not that much per cost to send out a, you know, a, a text message blast. And you don't have all those obstacles of the, um, of the email inbox where sometimes people, you know, where, where it, sometimes people don't see it. Google is a good place for a marketing plan just because people have shopping intent on Google. You know, looking into, you know, search engine optimization is a, an effective way to, um, to, you know, to take advantage of Google and without having to pay per cost. But I really think organic outreach is, you know, it's just about, you know, the entrepreneur telling their story and, you know, providing a persuasive message to, you know, first it's the network around them, you know, and broadcasting that on free sources, you know, so that message can be, you know, it, it can be delivered on Instagram, it can be delivered on email, um, you know, even on LinkedIn, as an entrepreneur, you have a presence there, you know, and you have connections that you're sharing with. Um, it wouldn't be a product-based message, but, you know, it could just be about your story as an owner. But there's, there's a lot of different, it's really just trying to figure out what's, you know, what you want to, you know, the difference between organic and paid, and it's important one, is that you're not with paid, you're paying for a middleman to have access to an audience. With organic, you know, you're just, you're, you're spreading a targeted message to people that you think would be interested. So I think uh, the takeaway that I'd like everyone to get is that one, come up with your message and like what that outreach message is. Like you said, the elevator pitch, see what, how, what you're speaking to that your customers are sort of asking for, what problem you're solving. Um, then I love this idea because people are always like, what do we talk about on social media? And especially when some people are not, they don't necessarily want to be the face. So I love the idea of like pulling back that curtain and not too much though, right? I don't want it to look janky. I don't want them to, you know, to judge your product based on like seeing it in a, like in your kitchen, for example, like maybe you're pouring your candles in your kitchen, maybe make it a little bit more Instagrammable, but, um, but showing the making of it, right? Because it's true. If you are taking away my objections on, for example, um, shipping, that I know I'm going to get the shipping, that I could easily return it, that it makes it as easy as if I walked into Nordstrom's or if I ordered it on Amazon, then, and I can get it quickly. I think being quick is, is also a key thing. Um, then I'm probably more likely to buy a candle 
that you've told me about the scent, that I've seen how you've created it, that I, that I love you and your family. Um, then perhaps walking into Nordstrom's and being like, oh, I'm buying this candle for, you know, $50, but who knows where it's made, you know, is it made in China by who with no story. And like, because you're going to get the people that want the brand that they're buying might be the Nordstrom's brand, or you're going to get, you're going to want the people that love the story around it. And that's what you expose in an email, in video, in social media, in what you're talking about. And that's what people, they'll connect your brand to the story. Yeah. You said the magic word, which was video. Um, And that's, video is getting more and more prevalent. And I guess the good news is that it's, you know, videos just can be just with 30 seconds, you're able to tell a story and, you know, it doesn't have to be this commercial style thing. I mean, there's, there's a lot of very basic video that, um, you know, can take that curtain away and be very convincing. So Stephen, I, we, you listen to the podcast, you know, that we typically wrap these with some fun questions. So our listeners get to know you a bit better. Um, would you like to dive into those? Yes. Okay. So what is your coffee order? I, let's see, I have an oat milk coffee that's it's la colombe because i my office is at a we work that serves it so that's my typical coffee Ooh, I, you're oat the milk first is person that's ever mentioned oat milk and it's jacqueline's like favorite thing she's you would think she sells it but she doesn't i would like to sell it <laughs> it's, in, it's in um it's in very high demand now um yeah i don't know if you've ever tried oatly but that's really the only one i ever really want so amazing uh, it's hard though. Always sold out, but okay. Um, favorite thing on your desk. All right. You're, you're stumping. My favorite thing on my desk is actually the, it's the new monitor I got for, um, I got a sec, a second external monitor and it, it really has helped my process more. So I'm, I'm enjoying that right now. Amazing. I usually think I need more than my laptop to look at. <laughs> you need like um, five monitors. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> so finish this sentence. When I pick up my phone, I... Do not look at notifications anymore. Um, oh. I took a big little, a big Marie Kondo step and just seeing how much time I was spending on my phone, I did a review of what notifications have the most value and which ones don't. And I got to, you know, I, I think sometimes we FOMO into things mm-hmm. and we don't want to miss out. So it allows us to have these huge lists and periodically looking at your info, the information you're getting, your email list, your notifications is really helpful to like cutting down that clutter into what you really want to focus on. What a good tip. It's going to make me look at my phone after this. Um, but that just goes to show you a sense of urgency, right? Like put a red dot icon next to some products. I know. <laughs> See what happens. Notification. This will be out of stock well, that's, very soon. I know, and that's what, that's what we have on social media now where – we'll see that number like, you know, oh, there's four things at the top of the screen. That number says four in red. I have to check it. Yeah. But you can actually, you can also reduce those. Like even on Facebook, you can reduce certain types of events. Oh, that you get notified. Someone posts a photo or Mm -hmm. yeah. So you can prioritize in that way too. Which I've done. And I think, you know, the ones that you're really engaged in. So everyone that's in our Facebook group, prioritize us, but then drop out the other ones. Yeah. 
I mean, you, who cares about those other people? <laughs> like you join groups easily and then, and then it's, is that even what you need to be learning or what you need to be paying attention to right now? So that's mm-hmm. such a great idea. Um, okay. So you wish you knew how to be a music producer. Um, I love music. Um, and I, you know, I play a little bit and now I'm envious of people that have these enormous, you know, mixers and really know what to do with them. Yeah, think, that's... yeah, it could help on, it could help on my videos as well. So fun. Um, so what was the last show you binge watched if you watch TV? Let's see the last show I binge watched. I guess it was, let's see, Russian doll. Mm. And then just, for a bit, yeah. Have you seen that? I got done with it. Yeah. It's, it sticks with you. It sticks with you at the end. <laughs> I think also with like, um, what I liked about Russian doll was that when I, when I'm picking a series, I find it's a big decision. Cause I know like, you know, it's not a two hour decision I'm making. It's an eight to 15 hour decision. So I liked with Russian doll that it was only 25 minute episodes. And there were only like eight episodes. So it was exactly. a really quick. Yeah. I don't like things that stick with me though. <laughs> yeah. um, and do you have an alter ego or a stage persona for like, let's say times when you have to get on a podcast? <laughs> I have an alter ego for Starbucks. I mean, oh. Starbucks, Starbucks is fun because you can just try out different names, <laughs> you know, so see what you like. But, um, you know, I have an early memory with my girlfriend and I introduced myself as Diego. <laughs> so you're Diego you know, at Starbucks. So it was, so it was, you know, so Diego is what I always request at Starbucks as my name, you know, and it's just kind of fun to hear someone say, hello, Diego, here's your, here's your thing. Yeah. I love that. Um, I'm going to change mine to Carmen San Diego. I know I need a new fun name too. It's not like they get Mina right ever. And at some places they have to announce the name yeah. that's part of their process. So you get to hear it live. See more butts. <laughs> 10 year old Mina. Um, okay. And then um, Mina's going to ask you the last two questions. Okay. Uh, so what is your most used or favorite emoji on your phone? I end up using the laugh, a couple of the laughing ones. Like I'm crying laughing or I'm sideways laughing. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love that sideways one. I like that they added that on. Um, and last question. We very much believe that entrepreneur years are like dog years. You learn a lot very quickly. What would you say to baby Steven if you could go back and give some advice now that you're further along in your entrepreneurial journey? The advice I would give is get organized. You know, I, I think organization and systems help you tackle so much of this stuff where, you know, you're just, because a lot of times, you know, like in in our, I think with entrepreneurs, a lot of times there, there are some good hacks and techniques to get things, but that system that kind of gives you a loop where, you know, you have various ways to track your progress and assess yourself and also how to get better week after week, month after month. Um, but I wasn't, I, I didn't get the organization gene in my family. So that's why I, I would need to push my, my, uh, my younger self. 
Yeah, I love that. And it's so true, right? We think it's going to be more constricting and it ends up being more freeing. Tell us our, um, how our listeners can connect with you. Um, yes, yeah, so you, can, you can go to the website. Um, so that would be needlemovement.com. Um, and there's, there's a little chat box on the homepage. If you have any questions, um, fire away. Uh, Are you, you on also, there, Stephen? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am. Uh, I, I actually just added it about a month ago, and it's, it's good. I mean, that was just another, you know, another way to get more engagement on the website. So either through the website, needlemovement.com, or, you know, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, Stephen Carl. Um, and I, I post a lot just about recent happenings in, in digital marketing as well, the things that I like and the things that need work. Amazing. That'll be so helpful. Amazing. Okay, great. Thank, Thank you, you Stephen. Thank you so much for being Thank on. Thank you. Thank you so much. This episode is over, but it doesn't have to end. Head over to our Facebook group, search for the Product Boss Biz Community, or the link is also in the show notes. Come connect with other product bosses just like you. We'll see you in there. If you love the Product Boss Podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, share, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time, product bosses, let's make it happen.